A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health-monitoring litter that helps to Detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Welcome to another Top 10 Debate. I'm Adam Wilborn from What Culture, joined by Andy Murray from What Culture to talk about outside bets to win Wrestler of the Year 2022. But before we get into it, if you're a fan of this sort of thing, make sure you subscribe to What Culture Wrestling on either iTunes, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts from for daily wrestling podcasts where we review Raw, SmackDown, NXT 2.0, AW Dynamite, AW Rampage, pay-per-views. We have interviews, more roundtable discussions like this one, and a round of the week complete with a bloody good quiz, of course, on wrestle culture. As I said, though, joined by Andy Murray to discuss his article, 10 Wild Outside Bets to Win Wrestler of the Year 2022, which you can read right now at whatculture.com. But Andy, before we dive into next year's contenders, who are some of your picks or, or contenders for 2021? So the, these will generally be the people that will dom- probably dominate the conversation next year as well. Mm. Um, well, apart from Kenny Omega, because he's very injured, <laughs> uh, potentially. But like this year, um, you're, I, for me, I, and this works out quite nicely, because I've just written the 10 best wrestlers of 2021 for the website, and I'll be doing the video, and both of those will be out in the next couple of days. So cross-promotion here. Mm-hmm. If you want to know my definitive rankings, you can check those out. Just throw some names at you, people who were in consideration without giving too much away. I had Kenny Omega on that list. Mm-hmm. I had Shingo Takagi on that list. Brian Danielson. Uh, Roman Reigns. Mm-hmm. Of course, I had Shuri from Stardom. I mentioned Utami Hayashishita sorry, from uh, Stardom as well. There's a bunch of different people, standout performers from around the world. And the purpose more with this list wasn't to really talk about those people. Because anyone, any daft bugger with an internet connection can sit here and go, I I think Roman Reigns is going to have a really good year next year. It's like, it's not really a fun debate. The more purpose with this one was, let's have a look at some people who've had good to great years this year, but if circumstances fall in the right way for them in 2022, they can have wrestler of the year worthy mm-hmm. years not in the the sense that they're definitely going to win more they can enter the conversation and they're not the most obvious people. yeah and i was about to say unorthodox picks yeah, there you know i was yeah. looking at this earlier and thinking wait a second where's cm bunk or max or jacob <laughs> yeah. friedman or i don't know Big E, for example from wwe yeah. uh and you or becky lynch or charlotte flair or whatever it may be and it's like well they're 
obvious choices. Yeah, it's boring, is, isn't it? It's boring to sit there and go, yeah, I think Kenny Omega, he'll do all right. <laughs> like, yeah, no, 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 no joke, Sherlock. It's like, like it's, <laughs> it's like when we do these lists for sort of outside bets to win the Rumble. I always enjoy them a little bit more because it's like where well, you look yeah, at it and go, yeah, yeah, probably Brock, maybe Ronda, you know, people like that, Rhea Ripley or whoever it may be. They're obvious ones, yeah. but... Who bloody knows? Yeah. There's always the chance that Nikki A.S.H. or someone could uh, win. A more interesting conversation is, hey, Damian Priest hasn't lost all year. What about him? Mm. Like, yeah, it's just a, it's a fun time. And, you know, because the word wild is in this title, I do acknowledge <laughs> that this time next year, if you're sitting and you're listening to this list a year later, <laughs> you will look at some of these names and go, that was mental. Yeah, that's why they're wild. Yes. You know? <laughs> um, well, let's start with someone who you and I have been a fan of for quite some time. And I think we always thought he was a very entertaining presence on AEW mm. uh, and a very talented performer, but always someone who, you know, wasn't going to struggle, you know, wasn't going to challenge the title picture in terms of actually people believing he may win the sure, title. Sure. And in the last few weeks or months, I should probably say, he's gone to someone that you and I are effectively campaigning possibly yeah. to become world champion next year. Yeah, Eddie Kingston. Um, the, the thing about putting him on this list here is that I, I, I kind of double-guessed or second-guessed myself several times because I think Eddie Kingston is a Wrestler of the Year contender this year, um, but he's not the most obvious guy you're going to pick out and uh, and look ahead to. And, you know, more cynical people might go, okay, the, the Danielson match and the Punk match, ah, he's not going to work with guys like that again. But I think that Eddie has proven over these past few months that he absolutely should be in that top-level conversation. And... I do think that if he won a title, be it the TNT or the world, I mean, the world would be perfect, obviously. Um, it would be one of the most cathartic babyface moments in in uh, the AEW could possibly generate. I mean, the guy turned a building of people against CM Punk, <laughs> who's back for the first time in seven years. It's really remarkable. He's just such a easy guy to root for because there's no line between Eddie the man and Eddie the wrestler. He's just a real authentic guy. Um, and it helps that he makes himself relatable in, in certain ways, like the Players' Tribune yeah. article that he penned and stuff talking about his mental health and the pressures of this sport and everything else. That just it, it helps you connect with him on a completely different level. But as a pro wrestler... Uh, it's really cool seeing him have this run because he's been doing it for 19 years or however long he, what was it? He almost sold his gear to try and pay his mortgage before he signed with AEW. He's been grinding away and he's been great for years, not just as a promo, as a worker as well. And he's proved that in AEW with, with his best match. Like the Brian Danielson match is, spoiler alert, my match of the year. Um, I'm sure a lot of people will have it in their conversation mm -hmm. at the very least as well. His crowd connection speaks for itself. Um... I don't know what the pathway to him winning, say, the world title would be. And if he did win, I don't think he needs a long reign at all for him. He's, it's like a Dusty Rhodes or a Mick Foley thing. The, the, the story is him winning it, not yeah. him holding it. Um, so I don't know what the pathway towards that would be. But looking at the reactions, it, it just seems like the easiest thing in the world. And I think uh, the big test came for him when, when Moxley went away. And obviously, we wish Moxley well in his recovery. Yes. But it, it was those two were sort of very intertwined. Yeah. And yes, obviously, it's the story of what's gone on with Mox has factored into Eddie Kingston. But I mean, I think it speaks volumes. We talk a lot about this on the, the Dynamite, the AW podcast that we do, basically, about the, fa the fact that Jericho's trying to weasel his way into some sort of program with him tells you how important he is to all elite wrestling right now. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, the Jericho stuff, it, it's quite 
transparently him going, hey, this is hot. I'm going to get involved in this, isn't yes. it? There's definitely an element of that to, to all of it. But also, you know, Jericho remains one of the biggest names in this company. So for him to be making that move is a compliment itself to yeah. Eddie as well. Hope, obviously, you hope in the long run it doesn't result in Eddie being... Uh, overshadowed or anything like mm. that. I, I don't think that's Jericho's intention. But yeah, it, it's just so nice to see so many people acknowledging this guy for what he is. And that's one of the best wrestlers in the world. And you mentioned the world title there. Uh, for a title that's just had such long reigns attached to it, you and I are very uh, insistent that we might get some hot potato yeah. in 2022. I mean, I'm campaigning for MJF to win the title at Revolution, for example. But then I could easily see your book. You suggested that maybe Eddie takes it off off, off uh, MJF, for example. Yeah, or, or even... Oh, God, some people are going to hate this, but even CM Punk. Yeah. Like, if if you were to do kind of what CM Punk is doing, the what, what Brian Danielson is doing at the moment opposite uh, Hangman Page and kind of healing himself a little bit, if you, if you could do that with Punk opposite Page and he wins and he full-on turns, everyone... Would turn against that, and Eddie has the history with him yeah. to make a great story for him to take it. But also, Eddie wiping the smug grin off that rich little prick's face <laughs> as well would be tremendous. Um, let's stick with AEW and someone who we also, I suppose, hope wins more world championships in 2022 uh, rather than coaching people like she was previously. Astonishing yeah. that they allowed that to happen. <laughs> yeah. Um, fantastic news uh, coming out on last night's Dynamite, in fact, yeah. that she's going to be competing against Akari Shida at Winter is Coming. We're talking, of course, of Serena Deep. Yeah, yeah. I mean, like, I don't like to make a lot of broad comparisons. When when it comes to younger wrestlers in particular or people who are just getting started, you know when people say that, like, Gable Stevenson is the new Kurt Angle, it's like, gee whiz, what a ridiculous amount of pressure to put on someone. But I feel comfortable saying this because Serena Deeb has been in the business for, uh, it feels like since the dawn of time, and yet she's still only 35 years old. It's remarkable the career she's had. I think she's the closest thing we have to Bret Hart in modern wrestling in the technicality of her work when it comes to just maximizing every tiny little movement and thinking about everything she does and every minor development leading to something bigger that gets paid off later in the ring. She's a wizard. She really is. Her top-level performances, whether she's working with Shida, who she's had excellent matches with this year, she's had great matches with Riho this year, but also against less complete wrestlers who are still working down the path of improvement and growing the Ty Contes, uh, the less experience. She worked with Camille in the NWA, and it was like a, a really excellent title change match for for Camille, who's still growing into her role mm -hmm. as well. Um the thing with the AEW women's division is uh, obviously they're getting one match a week and it's going 8 to 10 or 12 or whatever minutes and when you sit down and you say things like this person should be wrestling every single week you have to take that into account as much as you want it to change you don't know if it's going to or when it's going to but Serena Deep should be wrestling every week. Um, whether it's on Dark, Elevation, Rampage, Dynamite, she should be in there 8 to 15 minutes every week. She can elevate people. She can lift people up. Um, she only wrestled, I think, 11 televised matches pre-Winter is Coming. I think Winter is Coming will be the 12th match wow. in 2021. Now, obviously, she's been injured. She's had some bad luck with her knees. Um, but that's wild. That's wild to me, considering how good she is. And I think that if she's doing the kind of matches she's been having with Shida and Riho and lifting mid-carders up, because her, her floor is very high, 
she can absolutely enter a wrestler of the year conversation. And I think she's the AEW women's wrestler best equipped uh, to just anchor this division, hold it down in the ring, and hopefully lead it to improvements. And, and drawing out the, the title picture again here, she's easily uh, in the offing for, you know, if we eventually do get to see Thunder Rosa defeat Britt Baker, let's yeah. just say, uh, for that AEW Women's World Championship. Serena Deeb, Thunder Rosa for the world title. Yeah. I think was, it writes itself, doesn't yeah, it? It would be phenomenal, yeah. I mean, they're great foils for each other inside the ring and out. And, uh, yeah, I lo- the, this professor of, pro- professor? <laughs> professor of professional wrestling character, the salty veteran stuff that uh, Deeb is doing is just phenomenal. And it fits AEW's blueprint to a T. Uh, I think she'd be a great champion in ring and out. Mm. Uh, I, 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 it just blows my mind that she's not working a little more regularly on TV. Why on earth was she a coach? Yeah, it's crazy this, isn't it? Absolutely wild. So <laughs> she took a long time out of wrestling, and I believe her comeback was the Mae Young Classic when she came back into WWE. And, she, and everyone was like, oh, cool, Serena Deeb's back. She looks different. Quality. She's evolved. She's grown. Uh, whatever, whatever. And then she came back into the company on a permanent basis as a coach. I don't know. It's weird. When, when it comes to stuff like this, because she doesn't really do shoot interviews. She's not going on Talk as Jericho going, yeah, they, they screwed me and they put me in blah, blah, blah. <laughs> She's not the type to like to shoot in interviews and stuff. When it comes to stuff like this, I often try to be fair and go, well, maybe that's what she wanted. Maybe yeah, she yeah. wanted to be a coach. Maybe she didn't want to be a televised performer. Maybe she wanted this and that and the next thing. But if it's WWE's decision, hey, Serena, you're 30. That's too old. Be a coach. <laughs> I think they've lost their minds. This is the same company that gave Bunderosa a trial as a referee. So there you go. <laughs> a, a tryout as a referee. Bunderosa. Yeah. Wild. One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Continuing this list then, uh, from the list, 10 wild outside bets to win wrestler of the year 2022, which you can read right now at whatculture.com. Let's talk about someone who's in WWE right now, but according to this article, by the 31st of January of next year, May well be a free agent. I don't know a great deal about this person. I know a lot about Kevin Owens, <laughs> but I only discovered Kevin Owens when he walked out and interrupted John yeah. Cena's US Open Challenge. Kevin Steen is a different kettle of fish, but the potential for him in, one would presume, AEW yeah. is uh, is monumental. Yeah, yeah it's going to be a lot. If he does leave, 
And, you know, I wouldn't rule out the possibility of him sticking around. Um, I think he's had a good main roster run, uh, particularly if you stack him up relative to other people who've come up from NXT. I think he's uh, he's made a good go of it and he's stayed over and popular. And, you know, he's always willing to put his body on the line with big bumps and he's always witty and he always makes the most of his opportunities. <laughs> Even in an empty arena at WrestleMania. Exactly. He dove off that massive sign, hurt oh. himself up. Crazy guy. Nothing but admiration for what Kevin is and what he does. So I wouldn't be surprised if he's stuck around, but if he leaves, watching the wider wrestling world who only know him through WWE get introduced to Kevin Steen is going to be so much fun. And like, it's, it's, I think it's very difficult for a WWE wrestler. When it's a wrestler of the year conversation and you're looking at every promotion and you're someone who watches lots of different products, it's very difficult for WWE wrestlers to enter that conversation. Mm -hmm. And it's not a fault. It's not to say, ah, it's because the company sucks or whatever. It's just... They, WWE doesn't always present many wrestlers in their best light for a full prolonged year. And I'd even add to that the, the fact that we, when we get to you know match of the year conversations, I guarantee you know may not make make the list, but there is going to be what, ten matches from AEW Dynamite, for example, and, and, and Rampage that are going to be featuring in it. And we have this perpetual joke, yeah. you and I, in the office. Where he's, you're talking about matches of the year, and I because I, I really enjoyed Ricochet versus yeah. Drew McIntyre on SmackDown <laughs> a few weeks back. Yeah. It was three minutes, but it was just a glimpse of like, oh, this is, this is what happened if you'd book Ricochet at all, basically. Yeah, good, but um, yeah, I, I think the fact that it's very, very rare that you turn around and go, "Did you see that match yeah. on Monday Night Raw or whatever?" Yeah, and it's like it's not to say that <clears throat> the, the company stinks or anything like that. It's just they put restrictions on people, and if you look at like. Re wrestlers like, okay, Bianca Belair had two of the most stunning moments of the year. She had the Royal Rumble win, and she had the phenomenal WrestleMania 37 match and title win, but after that, it becomes very difficult to make a case for her as the wrestler mm -hmm. of the year, for example, because she had the feud with Bailey, where it was all about you're not confident, which is transparently false, and you know, betrays everything we know about this character. She calls herself the EST. You're not very confident. Yeah, you're not very, you know, you're a crisis of confidence <laughs> there, Bianca. Uh, and then she gets squashed by Becky Lynch and just kind of reduced. So it's impossible to make the case for her because she has four really good months with two massive highs. And then after that, kind of like a whole lot of nothing. There's a bunch of and other in examples. in between those two other things. Yeah. Oh, man. Well, can she coexist? Why are you doing this? Yeah. Stop, stop, stop this. Stop this, please. So it, it, even people like Sasha Banks, one of the best wrestlers on the planet, hasn't had the windows to have a re to build a resume worthy of wrestler of the year. So to get back to my original point, like it would be very difficult for Kevin Owens to enter this conversation in WWE because he's not going to have the opportunity to go out and have 12 incredible matches all year long. He'll get three or four that he'll make the most of. Um, he's not going to be cutting, ripping promos every single week and tapping into everything we know he can do because it's the environment. If he is unleashed and he's doing him and he has the full backing of a booking team, and he's allowed to have whatever degree of freedom, I think he can tear wrestling up next year if he has the drive to do so, if he wants to do that. Kevin Steen's a more vicious, more psychotic type of character. He's uh, as rangy as Kevin Owens is in that he can laugh around and joke, but he can also be an absolute killer. And if he goes to AEW... The storytelling possibilities are so exciting. With mm. with Mount Rushmore, he has history with the Bucks and Adam Cole in PWG and elsewhere. Um, he 
Kenny Omega's off TV at the moment. There's the question of his alliance with the Bucks. There is, he's not very approving of this Adam Cole character as we re we discovered in his write-off. What does Kevin Steen do to that dynamic? Does he uh, push them further away from, from Kenny? What happens when Kenny comes back? What happens with Cole? What happens with Steen and Cole? It's just such an exciting thing to consider. And then you just throw names out there for either matches or for yeah. me just promos of like, you know, I'm thinking of Steen the heel, but if you if you're not... You're just thinking of Steen, the person, oh, let's just flip a coin and decide whether he's heel or babyface. Maxwell, Jacob Friedman, yeah. CM Punk. Imagine him and Eddie on the mic going back. Like, it's a very different thing. And this is not to throw too much shade on WWE, but Daniel Bryan versus Kevin Owens, it's very different to Bryan Danielson versus Kevin Steen. Yes, absolutely. Like, it's Oof. just a... A different level of intensity and a different kind of worker. And uh, I've I've really enjoyed his WWE run. I'll just hammer that home again. He, throughout the duration of it, he has been at minimum in my top five wrestlers in the company to watch. But uh, I, I'm kind of ready to see Kevin Steen again. And there is also the potential, of course, Kevin Steen and El Generico ending up in AW. Of who may or, may or may not be on this list. You have to go and read the list I to find out. I forgot about him, to be honest. Um, right, we are going to get to a, a real uh, real wild pick to conclude this. But before that, yeah. there are a couple of names in here that I, I wanted to touch on because I'm always trying to expand my wrestling knowledge, and it's it's very limited, if I'm perfectly <laughs> honest. I know WWE, I know AEW, I know a bit about what's going on in Impact, yeah. and I know what you boys are talking about when it comes to New Japan or MLW or Shimmer or sure. Stardom yeah. or, you know, whatever it may be. So just educate me on, on one of these names here and, and why she could be a contender to win yeah. wrestler of the year. Okay, so Stardom, the market-leading Joshi promotion in Japan, has had an incredible in-ring year. And it's been very difficult for Japan and Japanese promotions to excel because the COVID restrictions over there are still, they're a lot more restrictive than they are in America, which means you don't have crowd, you have clap crowds is what they've been christened. They can't shout, yell, scream. You're not allowed to make that level of noise. You can only clap. So that does harm the atmosphere of shows. It's really, it's been really detrimental to New Japan in particular. Some promotions like Noah, where they are really stiff, uh, it's not as much <laughs> of an issue because that compensates. But stardom, despite these restrictions, and look, I am generally in favor of these restrictions, by the way. I'm just pointing out that they do harm the shows, safety, health. That's more important than my pro wrestling enjoyment. <clears throat> Stardom, despite these restrictions, has just had the, the most ridiculous year. It feels like every single pay-per-view we come away with just banger after banger. The The roster is extremely talented. Itami Hayashishita has had this tremendous year that everyone has loved as the top champion. Shuri's been right there with her. A bunch of other people. Mayu Ibatani is like the company age. She's been kind of like, I don't want to use like... Uh, relegated or anything like that, but she's been playing a different role this year in the card where she hasn't been the focus for a lot of it. Um, there's loads of other people I can mention on this roster. And the most impressive thing about them all is that when you're when you're like Shuri or you're Tam Nakano and you're 33 years old, you're kind of considered a, like a grizzled veteran here <laughs> because some of their most impressive wrestlers are 21, 22, 23. Wow. Yeah, their future is so bright. They have such a talented core. But the problem, the, the the unfortunate kind of downside of this is that when everyone rules and everyone is world class, a couple of people aren't going to get what they're due. You can't push everyone at once. You can't give everyone a spotlight simultaneously. That's not how pro wrestling works. It's not how it's ever worked. Which 
takes me to Momo Watanabe, who's the person I picked for this list from stardom, who I, I think she's still 21 years old. She's ridiculously young. Um, yeah, it's crazy. It's crazy. Some of the people on this roster will have started wrestling in their early teens and stuff. Um, that's how they're able to get to like a world-class level so early. But Momo's a great example of somebody who, when she's been given opportunities to shine in the ring, she has been fantastic. She's been tremendous. It's just a case that those opportunities haven't been as forthcoming because they've gone to other people and that's fine that's what happens when you have such a stuffed roster we've seen it in AEW to an extent like how we how often would we like to see Ricky Starks on TV more often for example but Momo is a potential company carrier in her greatness she's extremely diverse she can be a sympathetic selling babyface or just a borderline sadistic <laughs> stiff in ring heel and like I say she's 21 she has her best years of loads ahead of her she could be doing this for decades more the great debate in stardom along among like hardcore fans of the of the promotion is often why isn't she being pushed more some people think it's fine some people want to be patient some people want it now um I can't say for certain that 2022 will bring the same levels of opportunity for her that it has for, say, Shuri uh, in 2021. But if it does, there's no reason she shouldn't be in the conversation. I have two stardom wrestlers on my actual wrestler of the list, wrestler of the year list 2021. You'll have to watch the video or read the article for, the, for their <laughs> positions or, or, or the names. But Momo should enter that conversation. She can pull it off. She's, she's great already. Um, she was having some of the biggest moments of her... Well, of what would be the biggest moments of anyone's mm. uh, pro wrestling career when she was like 19. <laughs> it, it's wild. Um, stardom, it, it's a promotion that shouldn't exist. The embarrassment of riches is so uh, so amplified there. And I think she's a prime candidate for someone mm. who, if she gets the windows, if she gets the chances, she's going to be in a lot of people's conversations. Definitely one to watch for next year. Just very quickly, actually, before yeah, we move yeah, on yeah. to our final entry here. If someone like me, as I often do, has this New Year's resolution to watch more wrestling outside of the two obvious places. Yeah. Uh, if they wanted to get into stardom from this year, you talked about some of the great stuff that you've seen, and yeah. I know you, you know, you dedicate yourself to make sure you try and cover everything that you can. Any any matches you would suggest for people to check out? Yeah, absolutely. So the the obvious place to start would be the Otami Hayashista versus Shuri series. Uh, the first match in, I think it was in June. I'm bad with months and stuff, so forgive me. Um, but if you go on cage match, it'll be the highest rated thing. Uh, it's the level of acclaim it has received from the most prominent tastemakers in wrestling, including people like Dave Meltzer, means that it's a match everyone will be talking about forever. It, and it barely registers as a performance, the first one. They're actually about to complete their 2021 trilogy in a couple of weeks here. Stardom have their big year-end show. I believe it's on the 29th of December, that kind of ballpark. Mm -hmm. So that series is a definite must. There have been loads and loads of great matches um, in the, the five-star uh, the the Grand Prix tournament they've ran. Um, one of the best tournaments of the year with like big performances from Momo, who I mentioned, Mayu Iwatani, uh, Takumi Aroha, who was a freelancer, and, uh, and loads of others. A couple that I go back to, um, there's a hair versus hair match versus between Julia and Tam Nakano from earlier in the year. Uh, Julia's kind of like the hand picked almost future star of the company and you you see why in her charisma and she's a great wrestler as well but that's a great match um yoshiko versus mayu iwatani if you know the history of yoshiko in stardom if you don't 
research, Google that before you okay. before you dive in. Google the Gasly match uh, and read the history and then watch the match because it gains a lot from context. But generally, I think if anyone wants to get into stardom in particular, pick the last big pay-per-view, be it a Currican Hall show uh, or, or one of the other bigger shows. You'll be able to identify them easily on Cage Match because they'll have more ratings than the other ones. And just watch the whole thing because it, this is a lazy piece of analysis, but the cards are excellent from top to bottom. You might get a bit of comedy that's not for you. Uh, <laughs> you know, Fujikin Death Mask might turn up. But hey, you know, you're going to find someone you want to love. Uh, this list, as we mentioned, is not just outside bets to win wrestler of the year 2022, but wild outside yes. bets. And there is a name on this list. He's not quite number one, but he leapt out at me. Tell me about potential wrestler of the year 2022. <laughs> I love this. Matt Cardona. So this is going to blow the wig off anybody who hasn't watched his work since he left WWE and thinks, why is Zack Ryder on this <laughs> list? What is this lunatic doing picking picking Matt Cardona? But, man, oh, man. I, I tell you what, he's never going to be a guy who's going to give you this list of... If your criteria for wrestler of the year is, oh, they have to have at least 15 four-star matches or whatever. It's not my criteria, but if it's yours, Matt Cardona's probably not going to be on that list, to be fair to him. Um, it's not his strength. However, if you watch what he's done in GCW in Game Changer Wrestling, oh my God. So there's, I don't think there's a much easier storyline in wrestling than pers invader who doesn't belong in an environment coming in and being a dick. It's one of the easiest storylines in the world. That's why the WWE, WCW invasion should have been the, you know, yeah. they made a mess of it. But it's like, you don't go here. What are you doing here? And why are you beating all my faves? That's kind of the core of Matt Cardona's run because he's this sports entertainment dork and he plays this up to the highest level. He plays this total goober character and they mock him for collection act collecting action figures and toys and everything else. He, ho he has a podcast based on this mm -hmm. and he feels so out of place. He's doing these little sports entertainment. He's doing his woo 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 and stuff. <laughs> and it's perfect because he's in GCW, which is this rowdy kind of beer and blood soaked crowd where people aren't going there expecting these work rate classics. They want to get drunk, have a good time and watch some light tubes. It's <laughs> like, it's, it, it's meant to be just a raucous, crazy wild show. It's almost like a carnival in that sense. And he, he fits so poorly that he fits perfectly mm. because he plays the antithesis of everything this audience wants. The Nick Gage match is a work of art. It is, it's not a five-star match, but it's a five-star fun factor when you watch this thing. Cardona, like daintily booping him with a light tube because he doesn't want to go full whack. And the way he plays up, like the, the spots where he bleeds and he suffers, the way he overcooks everything and the hatred between him and that audience. He has since lost the GCW world title that he won against Nick Cage. He got squashed by John Moxley, which was kind of perfect. It's like, hey, I'm doing an open challenge. Ah, John Moxley just killed you, mate. It's tremendous. <laughs> uh, but... The level of heat that he draws from these people, from the, the people who go to GCW, I'd love to go to one myself, but the, the, the people who regularly go to these shows is unreal. He yeah, gets, just a quick word on that. I know we often do this yeah. as a sort of an accompaniment to these articles. Go and look at this article from Andy, <laughs> just for the photo he's used yeah, of Mike Cardona. He's not only is he, you know, flipping off the camera, flipping off the crowd, there is a, a woman sitting next to him 
with such vitriol yeah. in her. No, you, Matt Cardona. <laughs> and it goes back to the days, and I'm thankful that these aren't the days anymore, but it goes back to the days where heels were so effective, you were worried about their safety yeah. sometimes in the crowd. Uh, you know, the, the days of, like, mobs going after people. They're so angry at what they've done. You obviously hope that that never happens, but Cardona, when they go to Hammerstein Ballroom, one of the classic pro wrestling venues in America, and they've sold it out. They sold it out in a day. 2,000 tickets, GCW. It's phenomenal. Yeah. Uh, the visual of him getting pelted with trash from the top of this building, from the balconies down, is going to be tremendous. If he can keep that level of heat up all year, and if he can bring it to other companies, can you imagine him going into a going back into AEW and being like, ah, things were better in that other company, and just being a doofus, a PG doofus, <laughs> to kind of contrast with with some of the other guys in there? I, I I think he's in line for a very watchable year for sure. Now I will say with Cardona, I think that of all the people on this list, he is the wildest pick, and he does have the potential for a year from now people going. Uh, that was wrong, yeah. Baldy. Um, <laughs> but at the same time, I've loved watching this version of him. I have all the respect in the world for what he's done and what he's been able to accomplish and this niche he has carved for himself. And I can't wait for more. Matt Cardona, I salute you, sir. You've, you've done a phenomenal job, and I hope you continue to do so. 23rd of January, that Hamstein Ballroom show. Yeah. Oh. I'll be staying up for that one, brother, let me tell you. That is going to be a tasty affair. <laughs> like you say, there's a reason why this is wild outside picks, but uh, he is certainly someone I'm going to keep an eye on in, in 2022, especially because, just a quick word on him, he didn't have to really do anything, did he? He no. probably could have just put his feet up after yeah. WWE. He had a, the long run there. Yeah, he's probably got a bit of money. You know, he does and he the... could just do the woo-woo stuff on yeah. indie shows and collect a nice paycheck. I'm sure they'd pay him reasonably well. Those nostalgia shows where they book, like, guys you forgot about from, like, 10 years ago and all that stuff. Yeah, like, Instead, here's... Instead, he's gone... Gage seems a good guy yeah, to get in the ring I'm with. dive into this. He could have taken it easy, <laughs> and yet he's immersed himself in this world, and I, I love it. I Fair really play. love it. Well, let us know your picks for outside, but wild outside bets, I should say, to win Wrestler of the Year 2022 on Twitter at WhatCultureWWE. Watch, they can follow both of us. You can follow Andy Murray at... You can follow me at Andy H. Murray. The H stands for uh, Haggard, because my voice is still a little bit croaky two days after the Christmas night. <laughs> yeah, it might too. You can follow me <laughs> at Adam Wilborn. Uh, follow us all at WhatCultureWWE, and make sure you subscribe to What Culture Wrestling wherever you get your podcasts from for daily wrestling podcasts. And check out this whole article, 10 Wild Outside Bets to Win Wrestler of the Year 2022 at whatculture.com. But for now, my thanks to this article's author, Andy Murray. Thank you for joining us, and we will see you soon.